Welcome to the Experience Ed Podcast. I am Jim Steller. I am Mary Churchill. And I'm Adrian Dooley. We bring you this podcast on experiential education with educators and thought leaders from around the country and the world. Nora McRae, PhD, is the Associate Provost of Cooperative Education and Experiential Education at the University of Waterloo, the largest cooperative education university in the world with more than 25,000 undergraduates. Nora is also the head of the Executive Council of the World Association of Cooperative Education with Waterloo as the Secretariat of WACE, as it's known. As such, she had the operational responsibility for the move over the last few years of the WACE headquarters from the United States to Canada and to her university. In late June 2023, under her leadership from the Executive Committee and from the administration at the University of WACE, WACE ran a successful biannual world conference with participants from all over the world, including me. It was the first large in-person meeting since the COVID-19 pandemic. Nora is also a member of the WACE's Global Strategy Council, a longtime contributor to the literature and practice of cooperative and experiential education, and has received numerous awards for her work from CEWIL, C-E-W-I-L, 2012, 2014, 2016, CBIE, 2020, CEIA, 2020, and WACE, 2017, 2022. It is our pleasure to welcome Dr. Nora McRae to this podcast. Nora, the bio I just read does not reveal your origin story. You started at the University of Victoria, where you also got your PhD before coming to Waterloo in 2018. Could you tell us a little bit about how you got started and particularly how you became interested in cooperative education? And then maybe end by talking a little bit about your current position at the University of Waterloo. Okay, that's great. Thank you so much, Jim. And again, thank you for the invitation to have a, an opportunity to share some of these uh, thoughts with you and on this podcast. I, I do appreciate it. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, I first was introduced to the concept of cooperative education when I took on my first role at the University of Victoria in 1992. And how I came to know about uh, cooperative education was I saw a job posting and I thought, well, that looks interesting and read a bit about, there was very little literature actually at the time about what cooperative education was, but I uh, learned enough to, to understand that it was a way of connecting students, what they were studying to the world of work. And specifically at the University of Victoria, my first role was working with students in the humanities and the fine arts, connecting them to the world of work, both undergraduate and graduate students at that time as well. Interesting. And uh, it, so it was a great introduction to cooperative education because very um, not necessarily that common uh, academic discipline areas that would have co-op. But obviously for me, I could see very much the connection between what students were learning, the various capabilities and skills they had, how those could be transferred into a number of dis different settings and how they could find their way into the world of work and apply, uh, either directly apply what they were learning or be able to apply the capabilities they were gaining from their program into a range of different organizations. So I think it was a great start for me because it really, um, I started with very, a uh, very open-ended thinking about what does it mean to learn things? How do you, what does it mean to work somewhere? How do you apply those things? And it's not, as, you, as we know, it's not linear. 
It's not a direct connection to this equals that. So I think that was great to start in this field that way. Um, and then, of course, uh, it was a small program that I was working with. And again, terrific training in how to support students in their learning, how to engage with employers in um, being able to have them take on students, make the best of that kind of student talent. And then because I was sort of the central point of contact, seeing those students grow over time was, was really wonderful. And I think I, I was hooked at that point. Um, finding ways to help students make sense of what who they were, what they were studying, what they wanted to do, and help them show up in, in, in their work and through how they engage in the workplace. So that was my first introduction uh, at the University of Victoria, which, of course, as people probably know, is on the west coast of Canada. Then I moved into a different role, which was a business co-op program. And that program is a mandatory program, which meant that every single undergraduate student had to do work terms, which had its own set of interesting challenges. Also, a very strong focus on international and having students go international. So this was a way I had already intersected with the World Association that I know we'll talk about a bit later. But this also continued to reinforce not only the importance of applying learning in different workplace settings and transferability of skills, but also the importance of having awareness of global situations, global contexts, intercultural capabilities, all of that. And I think I, I really came into that uh, with my work in the business program because of their focus. Uh, I did go on to run the, the, the entire program at UVic, including career. And then, as you say, in 2018, I started my role here as associate provost for cooperative and experiential education at the University of Waterloo. As your listeners may be aware, uh, the University of Waterloo has the largest co-op program of its kind. So we have about 25,000 students who do paid work terms in 62 countries. Amazing. Yeah, it is. So it is a terrific team that pulls that all together. Uh, and in my portfolio, we have that massive co-op program. We also have our career center for career development. We have the world's only research center in this work, which is the Work Learn Institute. And we have um, the Center for Work Integrated Learning, where we're expanding different kinds of programming oh, in addition wow. to co-op, as well as um, professional development and skill development for students. So it's a terrific unit, bringing it all together with a, a very interesting portfolio to work with. So what attracted you to the doctoral degree? Because it sounds like you were just rocking and rolling on making things great for students and using this amazing operation. But how did you get interested in getting a PhD of all things? Well, because what motivated me significantly, Jim, was interacting with a lot of faculty and, um, and uh, the academic community that wasn't used to this type of work. And having... Uh, having them sort of question whether there was valuable learning that happened as a result of programs like cooperative education. They could see the value in a student maybe get a job and maybe they could pay some of their bills during the time that they're working. But in terms of actual learning, I found, I felt that there was not that much understanding of the power of the learning that happens in co-op. So I thought, well, I'm just going to grab the bull by the horns. And so my thesis, my, my dissertation topic was around transformative learning. So the most profound learning one can have yep. and how uh, work integrated learning, work integrated education programs can enable the conditions to allow for transformative learning. So the first part of my doctorate was um, 
does it happen? Is transformative learning happening? And in which case, how, how can we best set the stage for that kind of deep, profound learning to happen? And my findings were that, yes, indeed, there's lots of transformative learning going on as a result of work terms and students before and after their, their engagement with co-op terms. So that was great because it validated what I and everyone who's in this field has, sees all the time, the transformative changes in students as they have these experiences. Right. And then also a lot of insight into what enables those conditions. And I did use activity theory and started to think about our work as part of a system and a system of uh, what we set up in our institutions to support students and also um, in organizations and workplaces. So I looked at activity theory from two systems, the academic community and the employer community, and how those two systems um, engage independently and also interact together. And I think that systems thinking has been very useful uh, in, in shaping my own thinking about how to do this work. I think that's terrific. And I have to just say, to read it into the record here, that you are, in my opinion, one of the leading researchers in this field from pure research. And you always seem to bring to it this wonderful sensibility from the practitioner side of being an administrator, um, which I think is particularly useful to have the research be impactful, just like co-op is impactful. So <laughs> I just wanted to make that point. Um, uh, thank you for all the research you've done in addition to everything else you're doing. Thank um, you. I'm going to go to my next question, which is that I served with you on the Waste Board mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the Executive Committee. Uh, this uh, went back to when Nancy Johnston was president after Paul Stoneley retired, who had been a longtime member of, uh, a longtime leader of Waste. Um, and then Waste decided um, uh, in discussions that involved you and others uh, to move the headquarters eventually to Canada to Waterloo and to change its operating model to be a little bit more like the Seawill, which is the Canadian organization that you used to lead. Uh, mm -hmm. so can you talk a little bit about what was involved in that transformation and how it was executed, because you obviously are the leader now and you executed it. Yeah, no, um, it was, uh, and you were part of the journey, Jim, and terrifically important in that journey, of course. Thank you. I think that uh, what what we need to acknowledge is that, that Waze had been in the, in the U.S. for a very long time, and under the leadership of Paul and then Nancy, and lots of people had put in huge amounts of work and effort into the organization, there's no question. But um, deciding to move the headquarters to Canada mainly was... Uh, because the University of Waterloo is such a leader in this space, and it's very helpful to have an organization like the World Association for Cooperative and Work Integrated Education to be based and to have its secretariat based with an institution that cares very deeply about the work, because um, it's important to have that support all around you. And I think that the logical conclusion was the University of Waterloo is a leader in this space. It would make a lot of sense to have it in Canada and at the University of Waterloo and to have um, my ability to be there and, and make that transition, which was which was uh, not easy, but it was, I think, very relevant and very helpful. Um, with respect to the operating model, um, I think the experience there was we, we really wanted to move forward with an idea that had been with Waze for a long time, which was... It's a it's a network of networks, so yeah. it's not the only the, the only um, organization that knows anything about 
uh, work integrative learning or co-op, but it's it's an organization that can help others that are in this space, elevate others, support others, and bring that global perspective to the work that we do. So that concept of network of networks was about bringing in the associations that are active and very healthy and have great leadership within them in regional jurisdictions. So of course, Canada, the United States, Australia, New Zealand, um, other jurisdictions that have their own national associations. So bringing them to be part of the community and then also working with institutions and other associations to really build membership value. So um, we're looking and we have been creating and developing different streams of revenue, for example, that create membership value. Uh, one is of course our events that we have. We also have um, the Global Will modules, which has now been brought into WACE, which is the professional development for anyone who's in this space that wants to learn more about how to do this work. So that's uh, through our Global Will modules. We started the first um, ever really um, student engagement program, the Global Challenge Program, which allows students from all over the world to work together in teams on projects uh, that can help build their own skill set. So that kind of global work integrated education, work integrated learning. And, and bringing in that, that stream of business as well. So it's about membership engagement, building out our network, being supportive of each other, and finding uh, new ways to create value for our members, which results in revenue for the association. And I'd like to add, and this can be on me, that one of the things that was symbolically important was to have a secretariat located in a country that was not the country of origin, where we again because the world is a big place and and i think the network of network functions a little bit better if the secretariat moves around and maybe it'll stay in canada for 20 years but uh one of the ideas that we discussed was that it might move every once in a long while mm -hmm. to another country um and really live that network of networks uh operation um because there is so much intelligence really all over the world it's just good symbolic value yeah. I think as well yeah for sure um so um let me uh, talk a little bit with you about uh Re Waste's recent successes you touched on some of this uh you just ran the in-person conference in late June I was there it was at the University of Waterloo it was awesome um so many people from all over the world um and you have announced the next conference um in Trollhattan Sweden uh, which is a research conference. So the question is, how was it to organize a conference at your own university? Uh, and second, uh, what do you see as the major objectives of waste going forward with work integrated learning, or for the readers that don't know, will as it is called around the world? Mm -hmm. Well, wow, no, that, that's great. And thanks for coming to the conference. It was wonderful to see you as well after all this time. And it was, um, it was an absolute pleasure to organize a conference on our campus. Uh, I have to say one of the advantages of having a university that supports this work so, so deeply is we were able to pull together a large team. I believe we had um, 72 volunteers from across the portfolio uh, who helped with all sorts of things, as well as having our president speak, our provost speak, and other members, uh, lead members of the institution really supporting what we were trying to do. So that 
that was wonderful and a wonderful affirmation for, for the team about how important our work is. And when we talk about the University of Waterloo being a global leader in this space, really being able to show up and demonstrating yep. that. It was lovely to see all the people from around the world participating. And um, the other component of the conference, in addition to the wonderful papers and presentations and keynotes and panels, I think one of the elements that we really wove into the conference was Indigenous ways of knowing. And yep. we connected in with our Indigenous community. The, the uh, Indigenous elders for the University of Waterloo provided a lot of guidance on how to do this in a good way. And I think it provided a real a real grounding of local, very local, very deep, deep local ways of knowing, as well as combined with the global ways of knowing. And I think um, for me, what was very symbolic and beautiful at the end of the conference was when our Indigenous elder um, sang, sang a song for us to wish us well and onto, onto the next stage. And members from the community were able to pick up their flags from around the world and kind of march uh, through the conference center and that was we're all part of one community and yet uh, we come at it from different perspectives and that's great that kind of mutual respect and support is really a, a wonderful example of this network of networks idea yeah it's terrific and i must say that as a close neighbor in another country i'm noticing at uh, my university the university at albany um, more expressions of gratitude towards the people that lived on this land before we did and a recognition that we have something to learn from them. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I don't know how this happened. I'm not a, a politician, but I, I think we sort of learned that from Canada, um, which was uh, a leader, at least uh, in my experience. I don't know how far it's gone, but it certainly reached my university now. And I think it's a very good, humane, thoughtful, proper intellectual thing to do. So mm, kudos yeah. to you guys for, for doing that. Um, so let's go to the second part of the question. You're off to Trollhattan in 2014 in June. Um, I'm hoping to come. I love that uh, that site. Um, and I love the idea of the research being foremost. It was, of course, strongly present in the World Conference that you just had. So what do you think, as uh, the Waste Secretariat head, um, uh, as the major objectives of waste um, and and will around the world? Well, I think uh, one of the major objectives is to host events such as the conference in Trollhattan in June, and thanks for mentioning it, and I do hope you will come, um, is to, it's an opportunity for people who are thinking about work integrated learning, researching, problematizing work integrated learning to get together and talk about it. And I think that a venue, a, a, an organization that creates a venue for those conversations globally, I think is is first of all, very important. I don't think we can ever take uh, what we do for granted. There's disruption happening all over the place. We just see that increasing at a pace. Um, so saying, oh yeah, we, we've done it in, case of, in the case of the University of Waterloo, we've done a very successful co-op model for 65 years. So it's gonna be like that for the next 65 years. I don't think that's very wise thinking. So having an opportunity to really poke around on some of our underlying assumptions, uh, really start to you know think and be challenged about how we think about things. Look at look at what we're doing from different perspectives. Test it against research and the literature. I think that's really important to keeping us healthy. So, 
for one, I would say that's a really important objective of Waze is a venue Excellent. to bring that together. I think that um, as more and more countries and jurisdictions really are looking to embrace co-op or work integrated learning will, as you've said, I think there's a role for Waze to play in terms of quality and quality, uh, help, helping to set up what the, what, what quality looks like across the world. So if someone from a jurisdiction that doesn't have, for example, a national association or uh, an organization where they already have their own quality indicators can have a bit of a benchmark, which has been globally tested around the world. And I think that can be a very helpful uh, role that Waste can play because we have that, that non-partisan, if you will, that non um national view of things it's more of a global view and here's some key principles that seem to be seem to be solid no matter what your jurisdiction is and that can be used as a way for organizations to build quality programs and assess quality programs um, so i think those are some really major objectives in addition to continuing to think about our professional development of our community uh, and bringing in new new um for example, graduate students in a different way that we maybe haven't done before, bring in, bring in the new thinkers and researchers to continue to refresh our community for, for our benefit. So one of the things I've always liked about WASTE is it is the only global organization that does what you just said. And when you go to conferences in Thailand or South Africa or Trollhattan or Waterloo, um, you meet people um, and you talk to them and a lot of what happens at the conferences in those informal conversations, and you learn because they come with a slightly different perspective that, that makes a, the waste so valuable. So uh, one of the things I would add, if I could, to your great description is, is it's, the, it's the people, the people themselves um, and, and how they have a wonderful point of view that can educate you um, about how we do these things, as you just mentioned, quality, uh, what the, the, pro the projects can look like. So, yeah, no, it's true. The people are are terrific, aren't they? And we've been really, we've been really fortunate, Jim, to have found and have so many terrific colleagues around the world. I mean, uh, at the conference we just had in June, it was it was just so heartwarming to see so many people and friends going back many years, and and we're all doing our own thing, but we're in the same space and we're very supportive. I find it's an extremely supportive community. It is. And it's a happy community. I, I, I loved sitting at the table with all the ties who came in droves. Uh, they were just uh, wonderful. And that was a great reunion for me. So this is fun. That's another reason to go. Uh, yeah. But I want to I uh, talk about one project in particular that, that you mentioned earlier, and that is the Global Challenge Project. It's, it's one of the new priorities of WACE, uh, newish. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what it is, how it works, and uh, go back again to what value you think it brings to the students? Yeah, no, that's great. Thanks. And um, I do want to mention that the Global Challenge Program is really an initiative that's been led and uh, promoted by our colleague, Judy Kay, who has worked in partnership with an organization called Practira to, to make this all happen for our members, and also not, not only members, or institutions that aren't members. One of the things we heard from consultations with WASTE members, and we, we heard, we've heard it for a while, Jim, but we haven't ever really been able to make it work. And perhaps one of the benefits of COVID is just really, really pushed people to think about engagement and learning virtually in a way that maybe wasn't quite as, as much of an imperative beforehand, right? Yep. So during during 
COVID and, and we, we had many organizations who said, we want our students to be able to engage with students from other jurisdictions in the world. We don't have necessarily the money to send them around. As you know, international engagement can be very expensive. Sometimes it's the purview of the very wealthy and elite, but not everyone gets that opportunity. So how can we combine the network of networks that we have of students having international experiences, engaging with others from other jurisdictions to tackle important questions and problems? And how can we do that in a way that's very economical? but also effective. So the program partnered, as I said, with Practira, who has um, who, who does this work quite extensively. They're an Australian company, but they're based all, all over the place now. They do this work quite extensively. They, um, they have a very good uh, platform that helps manage the process between the institutions, the students, and then the clients. And the clients are organizations around the world who have projects that they want the students to work on. And they submit those projects and the Practira platform and others help uh, help support the student's journey and towards un understanding what the problem is in the project, forming teams, providing um, their whatever it is the client or the brief is wanting for the project, providing that and being able to offer some value to the organization. And we base this also around the UN SDGs so that the projects are related to the sustainable development goals and the students are given some additional training on what the SDGs are, what do cross-cultural competencies look like, how do you work effectively in a team, and how do you produce in a very short period of time with team mates that are from all over the world that you've never met before and you're only meeting virtually across, as you can appreciate, many, many time zones and make it work. Yeah. And what it has proven to be has been a very efficacious way of doing this kind of global work integrated learning, having students engage meaningfully for short periods, little short bursts uh, with outcomes that has have been appropriately um, appreciated by the organizations and where students feel even more prepared for the world of work uh, when they finish. So I think it's it's been a wonderful initiative and really it's Judy Kay who's done all of this work around making this happen because it's very, as you can appreciate, it's extremely complicated. I think we've put over 700 students through the program. I think over 40 different institutions. It's all on our website, the information about it if anyone's interested. Um, and it's uh, very, very complicated to make that happen, but also tremendously rewarding to expose students to each other, to realize that there are differences, but there are also similarities and pulling together towards some common project goals, which is pretty powerful, I'd say. It is, and it's kind of an interesting irony that uh, um, cooperative education or will is based on a partnership with a company. And here is WACE, the mothership, if you will, of will uh, working with a company in partnership. Uh, I just yeah. that little sort of uh, parallel uh, so we're coming to the end of time uh, here for this podcast, and it's been delightful talking to you. I'd like to give you a chance to just add something or say something uh, about Waterloo or about Canada that you would like people to remember or know. Hmm. Yeah, no, thanks. And uh, I think I think that for uh, the University of Waterloo, as I mentioned, we've been in this space for 65 years. We're very proud of the work that we do in co-op and, and now other forms of work integrated learning. We're really uh, looking at how do we 
what's what's a way to set the ground, set the stage, support our students to you engage in co-op and work integrated learning, not only for outcomes that are about employability, which are important, but also as change agents towards some of the big problems that we're facing as a world. And I, I would say as a call to action for any institution, is we all work with very lovely, talented, capable students. We all know about some of these big challenges and how can we activate our students or support our students if they wish to, to engage in meaningful ways around those challenges themselves. And that's very much something that we're moving uh, very strongly towards through our programs at Waterloo that yes, co-op and work integrated learning, absolutely employability, however, also impact uh, specifically around some of those SDGs that I was talking about, the development goals. And that is a perfect way to end because the ultimate responsibility of any university is to open the minds of its students and help them mm -hmm. to reach a more mature place, not to preach anything particular, but to be sort of the spiritual life of the mind a guide. And I think uh, this does it uh, and is an, one is an excellent compliment to the centuries old uh, process of higher education. So let me thank you again for um, being here. Uh, and this concludes our podcast. Thank you so much, Jim. Again, I really appreciate the invitation. Thank you for listening. We hope you will come back soon for the next installation of Experience Ed. As we continue to talk about the neuroscience and sociology of enhancing higher education by combining direct experience with classical academic learning.